2: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick uh, here today to talk about an interesting topic on video. Uh, we have uh, Joe Mahoney of Mile High Report. Joe, how you doing, buddy?
3: I'm doing all right. It's a long weekend.
2: I think uh, I think everybody's hopefully doing all right at this point on a Friday before uh, a three day weekend. So yeah, there you go. Just starting out. If you're if you're feeling like you're already getting antsy about going back to work, this is this is not the proper time. We got football coming up soon. A lot of great conversations we get to have during the month of July in particular where football is on hiatus. You know, we're waiting for camp to start. Uh, but but this time we're going to talk about an interesting one in terms of sustainability of quarterback play. And uh, you wrote an interesting article about that. Certainly there's at least a couple of qualities of sustainability we could talk about, Joe. But one would be in terms of Lamar Jackson injury. And I think that's been covered a lot of other ways, including a great piece by Sarah Ellison. But we're going to talk about how likely it is for a quarterback like Jackson who has a big year early in his career to repeat that season. And, and, you know, a lot of people figured regression was likely for Lamar Jackson. We saw some of that in 2020, although I think he still had a great year. But I want to go through your research that led you up to some conclusions about Jackson that were just published on Mile High Report in the last week or so.
3: Okay. So I first had to answer the question – how do you define a great season by a quarterback? Um, And I looked at it in three different ways. Uh, Passer rating. And so I said uh, 108 or better. And that gave me um, 34 seasons uh, where a quarterback has done that. Uh, Then I looked at touchdown to interception ratio. uh, And there were 51 seasons where a quarterback has had a touchdown to interception ratio of four or better. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I looked at total touchdowns and I set the bar at 40 and there were 31 seasons where a quarterback has had 40 or more total touchdowns. And that's where Lamar Jackson came into play with his legs because while he only threw for 36 in 2019, he ran for another seven. Mm -hmm. So his 43 touchdowns, um, was, I think, 12th or 13th best all-time
2: um, among quarterbacks for total touchdowns that they have contributed in a year. And you've you've got three statistics there, and I want to talk about them as we go. But let's hit on passer rating first because it's the most commonly known by football fans. And I think one of the things that has to be accepted about passer rating is, and you could slide back up to it if you. Oh, okay, or leave it here on the chart. The formula. And yeah, the formula, if you would, because I think that's the important thing. I don't want to focus people on players and have them reading that while I'm trying to make a historical comment about this. Is that um, it, it? It was developed in about 1969 or 70. And they created this statistic. So at the time, they would use four different factors, completion percentage, yards per attempt, touchdowns per attempt, interceptions per attempt. Those four factors would be related to league averages and that an average quarterback based on the averages of the day, we're talking right around the time of the merger, would come out to have a 67 rating. Now we know that quarterback ratings have been inflated significantly since then, and the uh, you know league leading total last year for Aaron Rodgers what about 122 or something? Yeah, it was one of the best seasons of all time. Okay, and and we've had other seasons in the 120 range, and Correct. you know Lamar Jackson's career figure is over 100. Um, it doesn't mean he's 50 percent better necessarily than the guys who had a 67 quarterback rating in 1970. And that's important because he does. He's not that much better than the league average. than he uh, uh, with that kind of a quarterback rating,
3: right? So Lamar Jackson's um, by passer rating, his season in 2019 was the 12th best of all time. Um, he had a passer rating of 113.3, and uh, uh, yeah. So I mean, it's but but in terms of league compared to the the average. Uh, I I know the number off the top of my head for 2020. The average passer rating in the league was Mm 93.9 in 2020. So uh, there were years uh, where the best passer in the league, and I actually did a study on this uh, last month, uh, where the best passer in the league had a lower passer rating than 93.9. Steve Young won the MVP. And had a a season where he scored more than forty touchdowns, and he had a passer rating of like ninety three point two. Yeah,
2: the two thousand nineteen when Lamar Jackson was at one thirteen point four, I think the league average was ninety point four for rating.
3: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's been creeping up. Um, I actually tweeted that I don't know, probably two or three months ago now, uh, looking at the average passer rating in the league by year. Uh, also looking at the TDD interception rating in the league or ratio in the league by year. And both numbers are steadily increasing. Um, same thing with completion percentage. Um, uh, one thing that's not from an offensive perspective is actually uh, the percentage of yards gained by the pass. Those have pretty much plateaued at somewhere around 68 or 69%. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you, if you look at that compared to the mid to late seventies, um, it was about a one-to-one. You mm-hmm. had about half as many yards being gained
2: through the air as you did. Or, sorry, you had about you know as many yards being gained through the air as you did on the ground. Yeah, there's so, a very good video podcast we did recently that's still out there. Uh, uh, Jeff Sharon did it that, that covers exactly that topic. But I, I think we've covered that on this show, so I don't want to dive too low into that. But it's important to note that, hey, it's it, it used to be a very even amount during the dead ball era of the mid-'70s between passing and rushing yards. And now it's two to one again. And, uh, and that's 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 very high. We have to realize that. One of the other things you've, you've heard me talk about on this show before is Ed Reed's interception total. Now, Ed Reed's interception total is by far the most impressive of all time of anybody who's retired at this point, And certainly of any of the people who are in the top 10 of interceptions uh, all time. When you normalize that, to the interception rates of the era. So, if you look at Reed's interceptions by year, normalize those to the to the interceptions per game for each of those seasons, you end up with Reed showing up all with seven and a half, roughly, interceptions per sixteen games, uh, which is by far the ha- highest total of all time. And in fact, it's it's about forty percent higher than the second highest. Uh, there are a couple active players who are you know relatively early in their career, still Marcus Peters among those who are now threatening that. but I, I I just want to point out we 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 look obviously we're willing to look as Baltimore fans and understand how great Reed is, but we also need to look at jackson and, and and dial it back a little bit on how impressive his passing statistics have been relative to the era right. Um, and you know it's it's one of those things where
3: as a and I don't want to um. You know, trundle into a minefield here with uh, you know calling him a dual threat quarterback because that's been a racially loaded term throughout NFL history. But he is, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, to discount what he brings to the game with his legs uh, is completely disingenuous, and you shouldn't Mm -hmm. do it because you're you're a fool if you do. Um, The fact that he is one of the uh, 31 quarterbacks in NFL history to account for 40 or more touchdowns in a season, in a regular season, uh, is dang impressive. Mm-hmm. And um, But what's interesting about that number, uh, five of those seasons happened last year, 2020. So it's happened yeah. 31 times in the history of the NFL since the merger. And five of those 31 just happened. So that that's pretty crazy. And and they weren't all just passers too. You had um, Lamar Jackson's 2019, but in 2020, you had two guys doing it with their arms and their legs: Ryan Tannehill and um, uh, Allen, Josh Allen in Buffalo, mm-hmm. uh, both of whom uh, th- only threw for 30 something. But if you factor in their rushing touchdowns, they were over 40, or at 40, I think for Tannehill. But yeah, it's uh, you know, it's 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 pretty crazy and. Uh, It is interesting that the league still looks at quarterbacks as passers only. Uh, And, you know, if you – the the kind of case study in this is Cam Newton. And if you look at his career touchdowns um, on the career touchdown list for quarterbacks, all you see are his passing touchdowns, which he has, I think, 180 at this point.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: But you, if you add in his rushing and his one receiving touchdown, um, in which he has 71, he gets up to 251, uh, which puts him in um, – I, I, can't, I can't remember if it's the top 50 all-time or if it's the top 100 all-time. But he, he's on the career list now for total touchdowns um, among quarterbacks if you factor in his rushing touchdowns. right Now, it's interesting, and, and I, I, I actually, I think, put the list in there um of uh quarterbacks all time in terms of their rushing yards. Uh and Lamar Jackson is actually I think already in the top 10 there. Um or if he's not, I'm trying to remember, could be that he's not and will actually crack the top 10 in terms of rushing yards uh next season. Um
2: but uh it's that, okay that, either way. I don't think it really yeah. matters to Ravens fans that much. What I, what I will say is that um, I think even passer rating is really missing it out. I think relativized passer rating or normalized passer rating for the era is still missing out on quarterback play by, by missing rushing, for first of all. And one of the big components of rushing that's missing is, is sack totals. Now, it used to be that rushing quarterbacks accumulated some of the most prodigious sack totals you'll ever see, Uh, starting with Randall Cunningham, who one year was sacked about 25% of the time. It's just incredible to to even think about. Jackson, in fact, has taken a few more sacks, but a lot of him are sacks on the way to a rush, which are usually for shorter negative yardage. And when you combine that with his scrambles, as we've done in previous shows here, in 2019 he averaged over five yards per play on his – on the plays where he was either sacked or scrambled, so those are forced not to pass plays. He averaged over five yards per play on, uh, including a, a, you know initial dropbacks. So it's just just the scrambles and the sacks uh, rolled together. So a quarterback rating misses a lot of what's really yeah. important. It doesn't. It's not weighted for importance of the play, which is another shortcoming of the thing. Uh, but it's but in general, it's it's uh, it's one of the best and one of the best carefully manufactured NFL statistics in terms of how they put the thing together and how well it's endured over the years.
3: Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. It's one of the things that ESPN's QBR tend okay. or tries to correct for, right? They try to look at the quarterback play in both facets, the, the passing game and the running game um, and, and avoiding sacks, I think. But mm-hmm. the problem with QBR, and you know this as well as I, uh, it, it's it's not transparent. They don't right. tell you how they calculate it, so you know exactly nobody can right. go in and check their work, or nobody can, you know, if they want to question, well, this guy has a higher QBR than this guy, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know, if you look at their passer ratings, it's flipped. So, um, but yeah, it, it was interesting. I, I, uh, one of the things that I, that uh, I asked at the end of the article was, um, where do you want me to go next? Because this has kind of led me in terms of the, the article I wrote from my report last week, um, it, there were a couple of avenues that I could take in terms of where I went next. Um, and the one that won out was the uh, clutch quarterback play, looking at game-winning drives and fourth-quarter comebacks, which are things that the league has been tracking since the 70s. Um, you got to be so, bad to get a fourth-quarter comeback. Right. And so that's yeah. an interesting thing. I mean, if you look at – uh, and so one of the things I'm going to do in that study is I, I've looked at the guys who were the MVP of the league. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at how many of each of those two they had in the season that they were the MVP. Um, and so you do have some seasons where you had a, a quarterback. Um, well, actually, if you go back far enough, you had seasons where it wasn't a quarterback winning the MVP. What a quaint thought, right? You had running yep. backs winning the MVP. But, um <laughs> But uh, when quarterbacks won it, uh, you know, even going back to the, the merger, uh, in a lot of cases, it was the best quarterback on the best team. Mm-hmm. But there are a few instances where it was a quarterback who just had an amazing season on a mediocre team. So they had plenty of opportunities for fourth quarter comebacks and game-winning drives. Mm-hmm. And I think what the epitome of that was Peyton Manning in 2004, I think. He had something like six or seven fourth quarter comebacks and game winning drives that season um but uh it's an odd stat in that uh the guy who has the most in in career wise is peyton manning uh and i think he has like 50 of both in his Mm -hmm. career or 53 or something like that but from a single season standpoint the guy who has the
2: most in any given season is matt stafford and, and that eight. should not really surprise anything. you got to be pretty bad to do this. Yeah, and- you
3: have to be on a team that has a <laughs> pretty crappy defense or at least a mediocre defense mm-hmm. and, you know, that's relying on you as the quarterback as pretty much the entire
2: offense. And that was Matt Stafford for a lot of his career in Detroit. Right. So uh, I, the, the the point I like to make about Jackson at this point is at one point he was criticized for being 0-6 in games where the Ravens had trailed at halftime. And he's now 30 and seven as a regular season quarterback. So he's 0 and six in games they trailed at halftime. The other side of that coin is he's 24 and 0 in games they led at halftime. And that means 24 out of 30 games, he got the Ravens the lead in the first half. So yeah. that's a big part of winning the game. It's not, you don't just win games in the fourth quarter, you beat the crap out of opponents in the first half of games. You never let it be a game. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, how, yeah. That's yeah, well, there's, um,
3: you know, Broncos fans uh, remember the uh, the 98 season uh, when Terrell Davis went over 2,000 yards, and he realistically could have had probably 22 or 2300, but there were many fourth quarters where he was out of the game mm-hmm. because the Broncos were so far ahead that Mike Shanahan didn't need to keep him in the game. Uh, so he was resting Terrell Davis in, in the fourth quarter and John Elway in a lot of situations. Um, because it was stupid to play your stars because uh, they could get hurt playing that fourth quarter. And if you were already up by 28, why leave them in? Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's interesting that, um, that that was one of the directions that they wanted me to go. The other direction uh, that I'm still going to do the study because I've already started looking at it is the total number of quarterback rushing touchdowns um, every season. In the history of the league, and then the percentage of quarterback rushing touchdowns relative to total rushing touchdowns, because that was one of the things that really jumped out at me about twenty twenty.
2: One so in five. You take you take total league rushing touchdowns, divide by thirty two, and then take individual quarterbacks, divide by expected, effectively from that.
3: No, no, just just total rushing touchdowns, um, and divide. Uh, the quarterback rushing touchdowns by the total rushing touchdowns. So just I just what percentage of all rushing touchdowns in a given
2: year were
3: were done by or accumulated by quarterbacks.
2: Okay, small pieces Listen. of analytics advice. I'd multiply that number by 32 or by the number of teams in the league to get you relative to a league average team. I think that number means more. And then you, you're going to get a number like 2.07 or 3.09 to to do when you do that to give you the percentage of an average team you get
3: well and and yeah i'll I'll do that but um the the goal at least in my mind in doing or making that statistic or looking at that statistic is just you know how much of the rushing touchdowns in a given year are done by quarterbacks um and you know is that something that has changed
2: okay are done by all quarterbacks Correct. So, okay, so uh, so all, for you know example, all in, all quarterback touch rushing touchdowns divided by all rushing touchdowns. Yes, or that, all that's touchdowns what I've been forward. doing. All, all rushing touchdowns. So,
3: for example, in 2020, uh, there were 532 rushing touchdowns league wide in the regular uh-huh. season. 114 were by quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So one in five, uh, and of those 114, 60 of those were accounted for by eight guys. So Cam Newton and Kyler Murray both had more than 10.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And there have actually only been 10 instances in NFL history when a quarterback rushed for 10 or more touchdowns.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, Cam Newton has the league record for rushing touchdowns in a regular season at 14.
2: Is it, is it Steve Grogan? How many did he have? Because I know that was Steve a Steve Grogan season.
3: had, I think, 12 in 76- okay. But it's funny because I went and looked at him because um, he's up there in the top 10 in terms of quarterback rushing touchdowns all time, mm-hmm. but he finished his career with, I think, 31 or 32. Hmm. So he had 12 in one season, and then he never had a season with more than three. Um, uh, where you've got Cam Newton has had a, a season now of, of 14 and a season of 12. Uh, in fact, uh, there have been years where the rushing touchdown leader had fewer than 12 touchdowns. Um, I think it was 2014 or 2013, uh, there were four guys tied with 11 rushing touchdowns. And that includes running backs, you're saying, in there. Yeah, every, anybody. Yeah. any Just total rushing touchdowns yeah. that, that had 11. So uh, we've never had a quarterback lead the lead the league in rushing touchdowns, mm-hmm. but – Cam Newton has put up rushing touchdown numbers in two separate seasons that, if they had occurred in a different season, would have led the league in rushing touchdowns. Gotcha. Um, But, yeah, I mean, uh, you also, besides Newton and Murray, you had Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill, Justin Herbert, which I found surprising. He had five rushing touchdowns last season. Mm
0: -hmm. Teddy
2: Bridgewater had five. And Carson Wentz had five, but the, but the big five you're saying are seven, seven, eight, uh, 11 and 12. That was what we did at 23, 45 of that 45 put together. 45
3: of the, of the 60 that I'm Mm -hmm. talking about, um, came from the the top five. So, I mean, you really had, and, and again, if you look at, and there's a, a, somebody did a really nice, um, study of this and it's on Wikipedia of, uh, I think it's actually the page name is dual threat quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And I think I linked it in the article, but they, they show uh, quarterback uh, career rushing yardage quarterback, career rushing touchdowns and quarterback career rushing attempts. Um, and uh, the one thing in terms of, you know, Lamar Jackson uh, he is, if, if he has the same average number of attempts in 2021 that he has had throughout his career, career, which is, I think, something like 145 rushing attempts, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: he will break into the top 10 all time in terms of quarterback rushing attempts in 2021. Right now, number 10 is Tom Brady. (laughs) And that also surprised me because I'm like, wait, Tom Brady? Well, Tom Brady has been the master of the fourth and one QB sneak for two yards. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Tom Brady is a ton of QB his, Neal's career. He's won a lot of football Well, and games. that's that's the <laughs> other thing
3: that, that I actually point out in the article. It's another yeah. thing that the league is pretty stupid about. They still count kneel downs yeah. by quarterbacks as a run for negative one
2: yard. They, they need to take that out of there. It doesn't yeah. make any sense so, at all. So
3: Tom Brady's career average in terms of yards per carry is 1.6 mm-hmm. because he has so many kneel downs. Uh, but I, I think I I actually did the analysis for Peyton Manning as a Bronco and he he was yes. credited with something like thirty six rushing attempts. twenty nine of those were kneel downs,
2: right. and, and I, I noticed that too. and and it was actually came up in Sarah Ellison's paper about quarterback uh, rushing and whether you know that was sustainable and whatnot. but but Manning had something like uh, negative half a yard to negative one yard per carry over that period in terms of of what he did. So he had almost no runs for positive yards was what that told me.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it, – it, he – not only that, but he also he also would self-sack. Yes. Um, uh, which uh, which is an interesting thing because if you – you know, you have the guys that are that are so macho that they're like, well, I can stand in here and, you know, I'm going to get blasted. I'm just going to stand here and get blasted. If if Manning knew he was going to get completely demolished by the guy it. coming, he would just drop. Like, okay, I give up. <laughs> You've got me. You sacked me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and it makes sense from the perspective of, you know, if you, if you lose your starting quarterback, you pretty much, your season is in the toilet. So. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Uh, let's go, let's go on a little bit with, with what this means for Lamar Jackson and, and, and some other things about normalizing the touchdown interception ratio that I know you've worked on. Okay. So, um,
3: as, as we talked about previously, uh, the league in general, has gotten much better at passing the ball um, over the course of the past, well, (laughs) since its existence. So if you go back to um, the forties and fifties in the NFL, uh, the touchdown to interception ratio league wide was was 0.5 to one. You had two interceptions for every one passing touchdown. That has been completely flipped now in 2020 Uh, where that ratio was 2.2 to 1. So you had more than two passing touchdowns for every one interception thrown. And this goes back to your point uh, from previously about um, Ed Reed and how you have to normalize his interception numbers because fewer and fewer interceptions are being thrown year over year. Uh, By the same token, if you do a stat analysis like what I did here with the quarterbacks, That have had a ratio of four to one or better and there have been 51 seasons starting quarterback seasons in the history of the nfl where a quarterback has had a ratio of four to one or better um, you have to normalize that and so if you look at the earliest one on this list which is 1960 cleveland browns quarterback milt plum who was a name that prior to doing this study i'd never heard about this guy or heard of this guy uh, he he had this phenomenal season, where at the time it was just unreal. He threw twenty-one touchdowns and only five interceptions, so that was a uh, you know a, an actual interception ratio of four point two to one. But the league as a whole had a T.D. to interception ratio of 0. 0.8 to one. Mm-hmm. So if you normalize to what the rest of the league did, um, his number gets crazy high, uh, and um, let's see what is his number normalized to here. Uh,
2: normalizes to seventeen point seven. How do you, how'd you do you right. do that? Because I would think you take four point two divided by 0.81. Um, I think what I did is I looked at
3: the uh, the difference from. Uh, where the ratio their individual ratio was um, from the league to today and then divided by um, the
2: actual league number. So I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Course. It's okay. The point is well taken. Milt Plum kind of a, a famous for another reason in a, in a, in a small way he was the starting quarterback for the 1966-67 Detroit Lions, where George Plimpton went in for, <laughs> to, to play some backup <laughs> plays. Uh, and, and he's referred to fairly often in, in the book Paper Lion. Uh, not, not a completely historically accurate record of football, but definitely like the like the book Ball Four, there's a lot of real interesting inside football in that book. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, if you, I mean, if you look at this list, uh, you know, these 51 guys, I mean, some of these are, are household names, you know, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. But a lot of these guys were guys that had just one amazing season. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, it wasn't an, even a full season. Uh, you have guys on here like uh, Damon Heward, right? I mean, he, he, I think, started eight games that year for the Chiefs. So technically, he was their starting quarterback because he started the most games of any quarterback on their team, but he only threw 244 passes. And this was back in 2006. So this wasn't, you know, in the 1960s where 244 passes might be an entire season's worth Mm -hmm. of passes. Um, uh, You've got some guys on here like David Garrard, right? I mean, he has this phenomenal season in 2007 18 touchdowns, three picks, Uh, but he never repeated that. Uh, So that got me thinking about, you know, how often do these guys that have these phenomenal single seasons uh, repeat them? Uh, And so if you look at this list of 51, there are seven guys on here who show up more than one time. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I call that out in the text. Oh, there we go. Pulled back up here. There we go. Uh, So Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes has already done it three times. Matt Ryan, surprised me. Um, and Peyton Manning surprised me in the fact that he was only on there twice in terms of these 51 seasons. Uh, so of the guys who have only done it once and are still playing, there were five guys that I really went into depth and looked at, okay, how much of an outlier was that single season that they had? Right, relative to their career numbers. So those five guys were Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, um, David, Derek Carr, David Carr, Derek Carr, uh, one mm-hmm. of those cars. Um, the one who's still playing. Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr. Um, uh, and Deshaun Watson uh, are the five. So uh, and what I did is I looked at how big of a difference from their historic uh, seasonal norms each of those seasons was both in terms of their uh, touchdown percentage and in terms of their interception rate mm-hmm. and uh, if you look at Lamar Jackson his 36 and 6 season 2019 um, while it was phenomenal in fact uh, in terms of his his percentage of passes that resulted in a touchdown that season was nine percent. It's the second highest of all time i believe i think so now and from a career perspective lamar jackson doesn't have enough throws to be on the list yet Mm -hmm. i think it's a minimum 1500 passing attempts when he does cross that 1500 threshold assuming he performs as he has been to this point in his career he will be third all time Mm -hmm. in terms of touchdown percentage uh sid luckman is the current career leader for touchdown percentage? I think he's at seven point
1: three.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if you look at what Lamar Jackson did in twenty twenty, while it wasn't it wasn't nine percent of his throws that resulted in a touchdown, he was still at something like six point nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you say you know the best ever in the history of the NFL was a quarterback that had a seven point two, and Lamar Jackson was only at 6.9 in 2020 that's still pretty darn good
2: right um now that's 7.2 normalized would be a much higher figure luckman's uh statistics are astounding relative to the era as astounding as they are relative to the game still
3: yeah um so uh so at at the end of each in-depth analysis of these five quarterbacks i i made a a verdict in my own mind and on in the text of whether or not i thought they would be able to reproduce the phenomenal four to one or better season that they had Mm -hmm. and lamar jackson i definitely think he will um because uh his numbers in that season are not too far off what he has done so far in his career both in terms of touchdown percentage and interception percentage um i think uh the only quarterback that i said i didn't think was going to be able to reproduce their season was Carr, and that's because um, the touchdown to interception uh, ratio that he had—he had I think 28 touchdown passes and six picks uh, in 2016. Uh, that was quite an outlier from his career
2: numbers. He's also uh, older, so you know you're you're better off making this prediction for a, a young quarterback to say, "Yeah, they'll re reach the heights." Tannehill, right. how old is he now? Uh, 31 or. Okay. No, thirty-two, something like that. But
3: Tannehill's interesting in that um, I think he's probably got at least, at least with what quarterbacks are doing now and how long they're playing, he's probably got three or four more good seasons in yeah. him. Um, I mean, That's Tom Brady's going to be forty-three next season, but a lot of quarterbacks uh, that are you know still standard bearers and and year in year out top 10 performing quarterbacks are over the age of 30 now
2: um, another reason to really believe in modern quarterback play has changed is cuz the quarterback is much more protected than they have ever been in the history of the NFL and you know it's very hard to be playing into your mid 30s at quarterback uh way back when even Baltimore fans remember Johnny Unitas after 1964 he had a he had a pretty good year in 1967 but he really was never the same again and it it He battled through injuries to play some, but really was never the same quarterback again for the rest of his career.
3: Right. And you have to wonder, um, guys like Steve Young, guys like John Elway, guys like Randall Cunningham, um, if they had been protected like quarterbacks are protected now, Mm -hmm. how much longer would they have played? I mean, people forget. (laughs) Steve Young retired because he had one too many concussions, and his doctor said, if you – you don't want to have dementia, (laughs) you know, in 10 years, you need to stop playing football. Um, And uh, John Elway walked away after winning back-to-back Super Bowls because he wanted to be able to still walk in 10 years. Um, It was, you know, his body was taking so much punishment, Uh, not only because of the fact that they didn't protect quarterbacks anywhere near as much as they do now, but also just the way he played. I mean, there's a, there's a story about him. It was actually playing the, the Colts um, in I think 83 or 84. And uh, it was like third and three and he ends up, you know, there's nobody open. So he ends up running for it. And there's a linebacker that comes up and hits him uh, like a yard short. And he just keeps his legs driving and ends up pushing the guy back for a yard and a half and gets the first down. But I mean, it was just a real, you know, it was like a running back hitting a guy, hitting a defender and pushing him. And it's one of those things where, you know, if if he did that as a rookie, and then you think about what he did to get to the Super Bowl and in the Super Bowl in that first year that the Broncos went to the Super Bowl and won it in 97 Mm -hmm. um, with the helicopter play that Broncos fans, you know, it's, it's just burned into our memories. Um. He wanted it so badly that here's this 36-year-old quarterback diving for a first down and getting just lambasted by a linebacker coming running through.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's something they just don't allow. They, they coach out of players immediately uh, if they do that. And they've certainly been very careful with Jackson in particular to get him to run out of bounds a lot and and to not take chances with his body on the field. He's exceptionally good with it, by the way. Uh, yeah, you know, he, Wilson, a lot of others who've been, you know, durable quarterbacks during their during their careers and in Wilson's course obviously for longer, uh, you know, they've been good about avoiding hits.
3: Yeah. And Russell Wilson uh, made a really good point in an interview that that stuck with me. He said, I don't slow up when I'm going to the sideline. In fact, I accelerate. <laughs> and he said the reason why is that as soon as I get close, defenders have to back off. Yep. Because they're worried about getting the roughing penalty, getting the unnecessary roughness penalty, even if I'm close to being out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it has probably saved me literally hundreds of big hits in my career because instead of trying to turn up and get an extra two or three yards, I just accelerate out of bounds.
2: Right, I, I don't know if I completely agree with the math on the hundreds of hits, but it probably has saved him thirty to fifty hits over his career. And you know what that defender is thinking? He's honestly making a judgment not as a team judgment, because the team might or might not say, "Hey, the fifteen yard penalty isn't worth it. You hit their quarterback; just go ahead and do it." You know, but it's the money. They're going to get a FedEx package that next day saying, "Here, sign this. We're going to deduct." You know. Twenty five thousand dollars from your paycheck next week. So they're very cognizant of, that, cognizant of that when they're on the field. I think they have a good brotherhood in terms of not wanting to injure each other. But I think it's 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 really ingrained by the regular packages they get in the mail on Monday mornings. Oh yeah, yeah.
3: Um, but yeah, it's it, it is interesting, uh, you know. And and uh, you know, back to the quarterbacks running the ball and quarterback touchdowns. Um, I'll be curious to see, because so far I've really only looked at, you know, the first three or four years going back. But it seems like this um, percentage of quarterbacks scoring touchdowns relative to total rushing touchdowns uh, from 2020 was exceedingly high. Uh, so I'm going it's something that I'm going to also pay attention to next season and see if it stays that way or if just 2020 was an anomaly. Um, you know, I, I could see Cam Newton, you know, kind of pulling back. Uh, and not doing, um, not running as much anymore. Um, I, you know, Kyler Murray's probably going to continue doing it. Josh Allen's going to continue doing it. Lamar Jackson's going to continue doing it. Tannehill, maybe, maybe not. not. Um, you know, again, you got to wonder at what point do the coaches try and coach that out of him? Right. You know, if it, if it comes down to, yes, you could run for this or you could throw for it. Um, the calculus that I guess I'm certain that the coaches and the GMs want him to make is throw it instead of run it, um, because you know the 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 value of Ryan Tannehill to the Titans is significantly higher than the backup quarterback, whoever that yeah. might be.
2: Yeah, he's, so. he's critical, that's for sure. Two points I want to make about this, because this is a great presentation here, Joe, and I, I appreciate you taking us through this. Obviously, a lot of hard work went into this in terms of going through and then normalizing the data, which, by the way, that's exactly what you should do. It's a great, great uh, way of doing it. Um, the, the, the first is to look at the, the remarkable 36-6 and six season of Jackson. I think Ravens fans want to put that season – you know, at or near the top of all time. I think the reasons why you would think that that would be the case are different than passer rating or touchdown interception ratio, because when you normalize that touchdown interception ratio, it's about what, what number did we say it was all time?
3: Uh, 12.5 to one, which is I think 22nd all time out of the 51.
2: Okay. So tw- 22nd all time we're pretty sure that includes everybody because the because the way you pick the 51 uh, were the highest td interception ratios of all time it's unlikely anybody would have snuck into the top 22 otherwise so it's it, you know in terms of td interception ratio it's certainly damn impressive the 22nd best of all time we'd take it every year if we could if we could get it but that's not even the really remarkable thing about lamar jackson that's where statistics PFF ratings, whatever you go, just fail to capture his greatness because the Ravens, drive, Ravens offense is highly throttled back in terms of what it tries to accomplish. It tries to basically beat the crap out of opponents with fewer drives and more efficient drives that are sustained. So that being the case, the, the real number to look at for Jackson is the points per drive number. And they there they were 3.08 in 2019. That's a historic number. And that uses the Football Outsiders definition of what counts as a drive, and you know, you don't. The end of a half doesn't count, for example. If there's a kneel down on the play, so it's that kind of. You have to be careful about what you consider a drive. But the oh, yeah. three point oh eight is 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 was the fifth best in NFL history at the time. That's the number for Jackson that tells you Jackson is is being great. It's not anything about yardage. It's not even really the touchdown interception ratio that'll give you the clue. Um, it's it's how that points per drive is. Uh, for a team that that otherwise these last two years been pretty damn mediocre in terms of the offensive talent around him.
3: Yeah, yeah, and um, you know the the total touchdowns is is amazing, but again, that's just an individual player. Uh, and you know, as as was pointed out in some of the comments in the article that I wrote, uh, you know, you're you're looking at these quarterbacks. Well, if they played for a crappy team, yeah, they may have put up some great individual numbers, but uh, you know how did their team do yeah you know that was somebody was commenting on well aaron Rodgers, he can't be all that great he's only won one super bowl dan marino can't be all that great he didn't win a single super bowl you know Mm -hmm. it's that same argument that uh you know you're you're not great unless you can raise the uh the level of all the players around you uh like manning has done uh or like manning did during his time playing um but uh you know yeah it, it is an interesting thing to look at and and uh um, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm digging into as well in terms of, you know, what, what do you define as a drive? Because when I'm looking at the game winning drives and the fourth quarter comebacks, um, okay, well, how do you look at these game winning drives and, you know, wh- what do you, where do you cut it off? Right. Because if the if you get the ball back down four with 12 seconds to play in the fourth quarter and no timeouts on your 20. Yeah.
2: Do you count Did you just fail to convert a drive? Yeah. <laughs> Do
3: you count that against a quarterback because oh my gosh, you know, he he didn't, you know, score a touchdown in twelve seconds with no timeouts, needing eighty yards. No. So I when I'm you know in that study, I actually I think I cut it off at thirty seconds. So and you could make the argument that I probably should have cut it off even further than that. I should have said, Well, realistically, you know, if if you get the ball back with less than thirty seconds and needing a touchdown to win. Um, you know, does that count? Well, all right, well, what about drives where you only need a field goal to win? Um, and you get it back, you know, so then you, you do get in some gray area of, let's say you get the ball back on the 35 after a punt, you've got 30 seconds left, no timeouts. Um, can you get into position for a field goal if you're down two? sure? I mean, you only need 30, 30 yards l- legitimately for, for some of the kickers in the league. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it does bring up some interesting questions and, and leads to some discussion about, well, where do you slice and dice the, the data set and, and how do you look at it? But um, Very the, hard to the, define. I agree. Yeah. Where, where I really wanted to go with with that study, though, is, you know, because the league calls out successful <laughs> fourth quarter um, comebacks or, or game winning drive attempts. But there's no accounting for unsuccessful ones. Good point, right? And so I wanted to look at, okay, well that's great. This guy has, you know, 40 in his career, but how often did he make have it a chance to do this and fail?
2: You're just giving so, a hit total. That's all you are, not a batting average. So it's yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I, w- uh... I
3: want to see a batting average. I want to see, you know, for somebody like Mahomes, my guess is he's batting close to a thousand, right? I I I can't honestly remember a situation where. Uh, his team needed a score at the end of the game, and he didn't get it for them. Mm-hmm. Or if he, or if he has, it's been few and far between. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really what some people look at as, you know, what if you want an MVP? What's the MVP? The MVP is the guy that no defensive coordinator wants to see with the ball in his hands at the end of the game, where it's either tied or they need one score to win. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, you're you're not going to stop. Peyton Manning in his prime. Uh, you're not going to stop Tom Brady. You're not going to stop Patrick Mahomes. You're probably not going to stop Aaron
2: Rodgers. Or Lamar Jackson coming out of the bathroom. Or, or <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right. Joe, um, I, I, I got to stop it there. This no great, great material. I really encourage people to go out to Mile High Report. By the way, Mile High Report has some good other writers too, but Joe's very good and, and he does a lot of the analysis stuff for Mile High Report. Uh, uh, You can also find him on Twitter He's at NDJOMO78 N-D-J-O-M-O 76 Sorry uh, okay. uh, and uh, give him a follow there. Make sure uh, you follow his work. I, I look forward to his new writing when it comes up, and whenever I think it has kind of a Raven slant to it like this piece did, I try to get him on the show and, and uh, really appreciate you having the willingness to come on us with, with us fairly regularly, Joe. loved your last one about OT arm length, by the way, offensive tackle arm length. That one was just of the podcast variety but very entertaining data, great draft topic.
3: Yeah, well, as a as a you know former offensive lineman, anytime I can do some analytics on uh, on offensive line play, uh, you know I jump at it. But uh, you know it's it's one of those things where you have to, you've got a really small audience there <laughs> in terms of people that want to read and listen about offensive line play, and then people who are interested in in analytics in terms of football, and you know so the the Venn diagram of, of that is is pretty small.
2: I I, I don't disagree with you, and I'm, we're very blessed to have a lot of the center of that venn diagram a lot of the intersection of that venn diagram who are people who listen to this show and really appreciate you listeners out there i don't say it enough uh but the fact that you appreciate this kind of material is the reason why we continue to pursue guests with uh you know highly analytic content joe thanks again for joining us yeah thanks for having me ken this has been fun we'll talk to you next time on film study